Well, good morning. Welcome to those of you who are here in person and those who are joining us online. We are sincerely glad that you're with us today. We hope you'll be blessed. Let me ask you a question. What is the greatest compliment that you ever received? What is the greatest compliment that you ever received? 19th century philosopher and all-around deep thinker, Henry David Thoreau said this, the greatest compliment that was ever paid me was when one asked me what I thought and attended to my answer. I am surprised as well as delighted when this happens, end quote. You know, one of the greatest compliments that we can give people is that of listening to them. One of the greatest things we can do for the people around us is listen to them. We're continuing a sermon series about the power of conversations, and last week we heard a challenging message from Pastor Eddie about the power of words, and today we're going to look at the flip side of the conversational coin, and we're going to look at the power of listening, and here's why. If we're going to have powerful conversations, conversations that help people, that make the world better, it's very important that we not go around just talking at people. It's important that we have conversations where it's not just us preaching at people, but we're having conversations where we demonstrate a genuine desire to connect with another person, a genuine desire to hear them, to understand them. The Bible tells us that we are to be good listeners. It tells us that we're supposed to be eager listeners, and that's what we find in our main text today, the command in our main text today, which you'll find in James 1.19. You can turn there if you'd like, or you can follow along here on the screen. The book of James is sometimes referred to as the Proverbs of the New Testament. It's full of little pithy maxims, little pearls of wisdom that are sprinkled throughout. And you'll notice the particular maxim or the particular wise command that we're given in James 1.19 begins with a special emphasis. James, inspired by God, writes this. He writes, you must understand this, beloved. Now, as I said, James has a lot of wisdom for us throughout the book of James, but not all of those wisdom statements and wisdom commands start like this. You must understand this, beloved. God inspired James to write these words of emphasis, and they've echoed down through the centuries to us, and so all of us need to understand what we're about to read. Let everyone be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. For many of us, our inclination, our natural inclination in life is the exact opposite of what we just read. And I'm one of those people, I must confess. I am quick to spout off. Some of you know this. I want to be heard. Sometimes I'm not that quick to listen. Sometimes I am quick to listen, I'll give myself some credit, but it's usually when I'm interested. But the Bible wants us to be quick to listen in general. We're supposed to have an eagerness to hear the people around us. And so today, we're going to talk about how to become better listeners. We have three points. The first is recognize the benefits of listening. Good listening is good for us. It's good for the people around us. And recognizing these benefits can help us be motivated to become better listeners. The second point is cultivate a listening heart. It's good to know the benefits. Those are motivators to some degree. But if we really want to be good listeners, we have to look at the inward person and we have to look at the changes that we have to make in our own hearts so that we want to hear from the people around us and value them in the way that we should. 
The third point is adopt listening best practices. As we go through this point, I'll give you some very practical tips from communication and listening scholarship that you can start adopting and applying today to help make you a better listener. First point, recognize the benefits of listening. Humans have a truly profound desire, indeed a need, to be heard and understood. If we want to love and serve the people around us in a meaningful way, we have to be willing to be good listeners. You know, listening is an amazing activity. When you do it, you're receiving from the other person. You're receiving communication from that other person, but you're also giving something. You're giving them the gift of personal connection. You're giving them the gift of understanding. You are demonstrating that that person is valued. You are demonstrating that that person matters when you will carefully attend to what that other person says. Listening, even though we think of it as mostly a silent activity, because it is mostly a silent activity, listening, even though it's silent, says a lot. Our world is in desperate need of good listeners. We can't help but watch the news and think, if only this group and this group would listen to each other. The world could be better. Often the people around us are struggling in our lives, and what they need is not some startling insight or piece of advice from us. Sometimes they do need that, and if they seek it, we can offer it. But oftentimes that's not what they need. What they need is someone who will listen to them, someone who will connect with them, someone who will simply be there for them. Psychotherapists and other similar professionals like psychiatrists and clinical psychologists will tell you that one of the keys of therapy is to ask the right questions and then lend a non-judgmental, willing ear. Just let the other person talk and listen to them, and that is incredibly therapeutic. Even if we've not gone through therapy ourselves, we all have the experience of having difficulties in life and going and talking to somebody about those difficulties, and as a result, feeling better immediately. You know what I'm talking about, right? I just need to talk about a problem that I'm facing or an anxiety that I have, and simply talking about it makes us feel better. Studies show that listening to other people will help them by helping to reduce their stress. That is, being listened to lowers an individual's stress levels. That's the power of listening. That's the power we have to simply sit there and take in what another person is saying. This reminds me of that old marriage cliche about a wife, and this is something that perhaps you'll notice my familiarity with. The wife has difficulties and wants to talk about them, right? And so it's coming and it's talking about those, and the husband, the hypothetical husband, butts in, interrupts, and tries to fix it. Exactly. Everybody said that. If your wife said that very rapidly, check yourself, okay? You need to check yourself. No, the husband steps in to fix it. Now, we're going to talk about this from both sides really quick. For the guys, ladies, give us the benefit of the doubt. Usually, if we do try to fix it, it's from a place of affection, and it's a legitimate desire to help out, okay? But guys, here's what we have to understand. We have to understand the power of listening that we're talking about right now. Because when our wives come to us and they want to talk to us and they want to explain what's going on, explain how they're feeling, the best fix in that moment is to hear, is to listen. That's the best fix. The wife is looking for the connection that comes through listening. When we step in, when we butt in, what we're signaling, even if we don't feel this way, and often we don't, but what we're signaling is, I don't want to keep listening, meaning I don't want to connect right now, and implicit in that is, I don't really value you the way that I should. 
So guys, this is why we have to be careful about that and just have a willing ear and listen in those circumstances. Good listening not only helps the people around us, it not only forges that connection, reduces stress, helps them to feel valued and mattered, it also helps us significantly. First, good listening shows us that we are not alone in the world. We all know that feeling whenever we're creating a new friendship and we notice that this other person has affinities similar to our own, interests similar to our own, likes like us, dislikes like us. It's a great feeling, it's a bond that is created. We have to be listeners if we're gonna create those types of bonds and friendships. We also see when we listen that we are not alone in our struggles. Very often when we are dealing with anxiety and concerns and difficulties, it weighs on us and we feel alone. But when we listen to the people around us, we see we're not alone in these struggles. The Bible tells us there's nothing new under the sun. Our struggles are unique to us, that's true, but they're also the general struggles that face humanity. And whenever we can hear from other people, we can be encouraged that we're not alone in the midst of our struggles. And we may even hear some wisdom from those other people, some guidance from those other people that will help us to navigate those difficult roads. Listening also helps us in that it makes us wise. It expands our consciousness, it expands our knowledge and our wisdom. The Proverbs in the Bible have a lot to say about this. Let me share just a handful of those Proverbs with you very briefly. Proverbs 12, 15 says this, fools think their own way is right, but the wise listen to advice. And we've all been the fool here, right? I know what I'm doing, right? I, I've got this figured out. That's the fool's attitude. The wise person's attitude is, I need to talk to some people and get some insight here. I need to listen. Proverbs 18, 13 says this, if one gives an answer before hearing, this one hurts. If one gives answer before hearing, it is folly and shame. How often in our lives do we spout off about something and we haven't actually heard what the situation is, we haven't heard from the other person in our relationships, right? You know what I'm talking about, right? If we want to be good speakers, first we have to be good listeners. We have to understand the situation before we can say something worthwhile. That means listening. Proverbs 18.2 says this, a fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing personal opinion. Fools want you to know their opinion. And we've all been foolish in this way before. The wise person takes pleasure in understanding, and understanding comes through listening. One final proverb, Proverbs 19:20. Listen to advice, listen to advice and accept instruction that you may gain wisdom for the future. You want a better future? Be a listener so that you can have understanding to forge that better future. When we're good listeners, we're helping ourselves. Now, of course, not everything we hear is good advice. Not everything we hear is good and helpful. And so we have to follow the New Testament command to test everything and hold fast to that which is good. That's the fancy way of saying, you know, you're gonna hear some things and you just need to test them according to your spiritual understanding, according to the Bible, according to what you've been taught to make sure that what you're hearing is good advice. So good listening doesn't mean just taking everything in and accepting everything, but good listening does mean having an open mind and an open heart and hearing people out. It does mean that. So I wish I had been a better listener when I was younger. Anybody know what I'm talking about here? <laughs> I wish I'd been a better listener in school, now that I'm on the other side of this as a teacher, I wish I'd been a better listener. In my mind when I was young, I thought I knew what the future held, and therefore I thought I knew what I needed to know in the future. Y'all with me? I thought I knew what I needed to know. But my crystal ball wasn't that clear, I gotta be honest with you. 
In fact, I didn't know what was coming. There's a great movie called Dan in Real Life, and there's a line in that movie like this. We always ask our young people, what are your plans? What we should tell them is, plan to be surprised. There are surprises in life. We don't know exactly what we're going to need to know in the future. And so I went through my educational life thinking I know, knew what I needed to know. And so I didn't listen to everything, especially statistics. <laughs> especially didn't want to listen to that stuff, right? Well, then I end up in higher education. I end up in academics. And for academics, you have to understand research, and you have to do research, and to do all that, you need to understand statistics. And so here I was in grad school sitting there going, why didn't I just listen the first time? This would be so much easier for me now if I had listened. I thought I knew what I needed to know, but I didn't. So for the young people here, the students here, learn from me, don't be like me, okay? Learn from me here. You don't know what you need to know in the future, so embrace the privilege of an education now, junior high, high school, college, wherever you're at. Embrace the privilege of that education. Listen and learn as much as you can. You don't know what you need to know in the future, and even if you don't need to know something in the future, it's, it's true, maybe you won't need the musical theory course in the future, all right? <laughs> maybe you won't need it, but here's the point. If you will learn to listen, even to those things that you don't think aren't applicable to you, even to those things that you don't find interesting, you are training yourself to be a better listener. At the very least, you are learning to listen. You're learning to focus on things. And that can be very helpful to you in the future. So again, young people, learn from me. Listen as much as you can, learn as much as you can for a better future. So to sum up point one before we move to point two, let's say this again. Listening helps other people. It helps them feel better. It shows them they're valued. It reduces stress. It helps us. It helps us to know we're not alone and to expand our horizons. So the question then is, how do we become better listeners? Well, knowing these benefits and meditating in these benefits is a good start. We can think about these benefits, but to really become better listeners, we have to look inward and we have to look at our hearts. We have to have the inward motivation to be good listeners. That brings us to our second point, which is this, cultivate a listening heart. Cultivate a listening heart. To become better listeners, we have to follow the method of Jesus and begin in the heart. Jesus was always going straight to the heart of the matter. He didn't talk explicitly, usually, about the symptoms, the actual sins in life. He didn't say it's bad to go get in street fights. But he said, rage is bad, right? He didn't say explicitly this sex trafficking is bad. He said lust is bad. He went to the heart problems, the warped behaviors and attitudes and thinking in human hearts to show the actual problem was there and we needed spiritual renewal there in order to deal with the bigger symptoms. So we have to do that. We have to follow that method of Jesus here and look at our hearts and see why we might not be as good at listening as we should be. So I want to turn your attention to Philippians 2, 3, and 4. Philippians 2, 3, and 4. It'll be on the screen, but if you do have a device or something, I'd like you to see these verses, okay? So, so turn there and read along with me because these verses are verses that I often have read and moved beyond them as quickly as possible. You read these and you think, okay, well, that's interesting. And then just move on because if I were to dwell on these verses very long, it would mean a radical change in my daily thinking and I recognize that and often I don't wanna do that. But here's the deal. These verses are explicit, there's no getting around them and so we need to look at them and we need to face them today because these are the verses that are showing us the path, the attitude, the heart that we need if we're gonna be good listeners. They're difficult, but this is what we're called to in scripture. So let's read these verses. Again, Philippians 2, 3, and 4. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. Regard others, general term here, 
as better than yourselves. The Greek could also be translated, regard others as more important than yourselves. You can see why I like to just kind of skim past that one, right? That's a tough one. It's followed up by another one. Let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Your concern in life is supposed to be the interests of the people around you whom you view as more important than yourself. This means, on a daily basis, we need to be asking God to help us not put ourselves on a pedestal, but to put other people on a pedestal. It means on a daily basis, we need to be asking God to help us see the best in people, to see what is admirable in people, to see the potential in people, even if that potential is unrealized. It means recognizing that everyone has something to offer. It means recognizing that everyone is made in God's image with a purpose, and we need God's help to see people that way. And so we've got to be praying and asking to have that heart attitude in which we view the other people as more important than ourselves and in which we look to their interests first and not our own. Talk about a radical, different way of thinking than what we're used to. We haven't had a pop culture reference yet, so I'm getting a little antsy about that. So it's time to talk movies, one movie in particular. I want to talk about Cars for a second, the movie Cars. And you know I'm in the movies. I'm not talking about like some low-budget indie black and white movie called Cars you've never seen. I'm talking about Cars, okay? The Disney film. Ka-chow. That's what we're talking about. For those, for those who haven't seen it, I'm not being paid by Disney, by the way. I just, they wanted to, huh? But no, I'm not. For those who haven't seen the movie, the movie Cars is about anthropomorphic automobiles that can talk to each other and the world is made of cars rather than people, okay? And so in this movie, you've got a hotshot race car who's traveling across the country to get to a big race on the West Coast. Going across the country, he has an accident, and as a result of that accident, he is required to do community service in this little small town on Route 66, this small town that's not on the interstate system, but that's off the interstate system a ways. By the way, watch the montage from Cars, if you've never seen it, about how that town fell into economic hardship and disrepair because of the interstate system, if you want a really embarrassing, no, you're crying moment in your life, all right? This movie has a lot to say for one about talking cars, but he ends up in this town, and of course this hotshot race car is looking at all these small town folks, small town cars, and he's thinking, these hillbillies. He's saying, I, I'm the important one here in this group of unimportant people, cars. So that's the attitude, but then of course he gets to know the people, the cars, in this small town, right? And he starts to recognize, actually, I'm kind of an arrogant tool, and these people have this community, and they take care of each other, and these are good people, and he starts to esteem them, regard them as better, as more important than himself. And he's better as a result, and everyone else is better as a result. And there's a happy ending, spoiler alert. Everyone's good. And you know, there's lots of stories, books, novels, movies, on this exact theme, right? You can probably think of a few. We just came out of the Christmas season. A Christmas Carol is about this, right? Someone who views himself as the most important learns to see the importance of other people. We've got another holiday coming out that has a movie, Groundhog Day, right? Same idea here. A self-important person learns to see the importance of the people around him. There's a reason that we make movies like this. There's a reason that we write novels like this. It's this. This is a resonant theme. Because we recognize that life is better when we see the people around us in a positive light, when we regard them as more important than ourselves, when we seek to serve them and not put ourselves on pedestals, but put everyone else on pedestals. Notice what happens whenever we adopt this attitude, pray over this attitude, become like this. Notice what happens. Because we're recognizing the goodness in the people around us, the opportunity in the people around us, some people around us are tough, right? They're tough to get along with, they're difficult people, but there's potential there. And there's a story behind that person. And once we recognize all that, 
we're going to want to listen to those people. We're going to want to hear from them. We're going to want to connect with them through listening. We will be quick to listen. This passage from Philippians also tells us that we should look after the interests of others. And as we've already established, one of the ways we look after the interests of others is simply by listening to them. That in and of itself is a way to look after the interests of others. But if we really want to know how people need help, we also have to be listeners. Maybe there is a time to give that advice. There is a time to fix a situation. There is a time to be helping in some way. The only way we know the best way to help is if we've been listening to those people. The best way to look after the interests of others is to listen to them and then to use that listening to better look after their interests. So once we commit ourselves to embracing and understanding these benefits of listening, once we commit ourselves to prayerfully adopting this and cultivating this this heart that views others as better, this listening heart, then it's time that we need some practical ways to start listening better in our daily lives. And so that's our third point, adopt listening best practices. Again, I'm gonna go through six best practices drawn from communication and listening scholarship that will hopefully help you. You can start working on these today. You can start working on them after service today as we stand around and chat with each other. Well, this first one, you can't start working on immediately. It's a little bit of a long-term thing. This first best practice, just hear me out. It sounds a little weird when I first say it, but hear me out. There's an important element to this, okay? And it is very important. The first best practice is this. Take care of your health. The, The scientific literature is very clear, and common sense is very clear as well. To listen to people and to engage with the people around us, to focus on what people are saying, we have to have energy. There's enormous mental energy expended whenever we listen to people. If you want to be a good student, you want to listen to lectures, you want to be a good friend listening to other people, you want to be a good worker at meetings, interacting with coworkers, you have to have the energy to do so. And that means taking care of ourselves physically, and so we have to do those basic things that we always hear about. Get enough sleep, eat foods and drink beverages that help, don't hurt, right? Nourishing foods and beverages, not ones that make us crash or hurt us. Get some exercise, some physical activity of some kind that helps with the brain fog. It may seem odd, again, to preach about health in this moment, but to be good listeners, we have to have energy and clear minds. We know what it's like to be low in energy. We cannot listen, you cannot focus. It just doesn't work. So we have to have energy and clear minds. We have to take care of ourselves. So there's another just benefit, another motivation for you to start working on, on your health if you're not doing so. <clears throat> the second best practice is this. Eliminate distractions. Eliminate distractions. Distractions can take many forms, of course. The big one for me usually is mental distractions, the distractions that I have in my own head. I've usually at any given moment got anxieties and concerns and thoughts about the future swimming around, right? And those can get in the way of actually attending to another person or to a group of people or to a teacher or something like that. And so there's a couple of things that you can do if you struggle with mental distractions. First thing you can do is start practicing your focus. If you work on focusing, in other words, if you say to yourself, okay, in this next conversation or in this next lecture, this next sermon, I'm going to try and focus more than usual, and you exercise the focusing part of your brains, you can strengthen it, and you can become better at focusing, so you can practice that. The other thing that has significantly helped me when it comes to listening and getting around the distractions of my own mental life is this. View listening in whatever context as an escape from those concerns. In other words, go into a listening scenario, if it's a conversation, sermon, whatever, go into that scenario saying to yourself, okay, I'm gonna take a vacation from all these concerns right now and I'm just gonna hear from somebody else. That's how I'm gonna do it. That's something that's benefited me and helped me, something worth trying. So that's a couple of ways to think about dealing with those 
mental distractions, of course physical distractions that may necessitate changing locations or something like that, uh, you know, reorienting ourselves or getting to a different area where there's not a certain sound or the sun is in our eyes. We have to just be aware of distractions that may hurt our communication, something we have to just kind of become sensitive to in our lives so that we can move or take whatever actions we need to to eliminate those distractions. Now, of course, before we move on to the next best practice, we have to talk about the biggest distraction of all for listening in modern life. I don't even have to tell you what it is. What is it? Phones. Okay. So we've got to talk about this distraction for just a second. When you're hanging out with your good friends, your buddies, your family, and things like that, sometimes we're going to be looking at our phones, no big deal. But we need to have some time with our buddies and with our family without the phone out so that we can be connecting with them. Furthermore, we have serious conversations at times with people, and when we have those serious conversations, the phone doesn't need to be out. The phone doesn't even need to be present. It's not simply that you shouldn't check it. It's not simply that you shouldn't you know, be looking at it while you're talking. You shouldn't have the phone visible if you're having a serious conversation with somebody. Here's why. So I've got any students here who were in class with me this week. You've heard this study, so here it is again. There was a study done. Groups of people were brought in in dyads. There was two of them having a conversation across a table. And in the control group, it was just a room with a table they were talking across. And there was also a side table over here with nothing on it. So that was one group. After these individuals had their conversations, they went out and they rated the quality of the conversation as they perceived it. Okay, now there's another group that comes in and they have a conversation across the table, but the difference is here, this is the experimental group, the difference here is on the side table, there's a cell phone. It's just sitting there. The cell phone's not associated with either conversational partner. The cell phone doesn't buzz, it doesn't go off, it doesn't light up, it's just sitting there, it's just present in the room. Okay, those people have a conversation, get to know each other, and then they leave and they rate the conversation as they perceive it. Now, you know why I'm sharing this anecdote, you know how this turned out, don't you? The people who were in a room where a phone was visible rated the conversations as of lower quality than the people who didn't have a visible phone in the room. This means the very visual of the phone affects us psychologically and affects how we perceive the quality of our conversations. And so very often, we need to have our phones not even visible. And in very serious circumstances, I'm getting a little preachy here, but I think I'm allowed to right now. In very serious circumstances, you should take off your smartphone or your smartwatch as well and put it in your pocket. Because if, when that goes off, what are you going to do? Not look at it? Right? You're going to look at it. It's inescapable. The other person's going to see it. So in serious situations, take it off. It'd be good for us to carve out times, even with our good buddies and even with our families, where we say, you know what? No technology time. No technology socializing time. But certainly in those serious circumstances, devices need to be put away for good listening. The third best practice is this. Use proper body language. Eminent listening scholars, Kitty Watson and Larry Barker, in their book, Listen Up, write this. In most situations, listening success is not measured only in terms of comprehension, but in terms of how connected we feel to each other. To demonstrate connection, we have to communicate that we are listening. We do that with our words a little bit, we'll talk about that in a second, but generally we're communicating that we're listening, because it's a, it's a silent activity usually, we're communicating that with our bodies. So, we have to be oriented towards the person that's talking to us, right? If you're slightly at an angle even, it looks like, you know, an escape is about to be <laughs> executed, okay? So we want to be oriented towards the person that we're talking to if possible. We want to lean forward, if that's comfortable or appropriate in a given situation, lean forward slightly to show interest. That makes a difference. We need to make appropriate and comfortable levels of eye contact. Now, you may be wondering, okay, what is an appropriate and comfortable level of eye contact? I certainly remember when I was young, I was like, I don't know how much should I be looking at this person right now? <laughs> 
It's like, look too much, it's creepy. Look too little, you look like you're distracted. Okay, well, here's the general best practice among listening scholars. It's called the 50-70 rule. 50-70 rule. 50% 50 of the time, look at the person that you're talking to. So if you're talking, look at that other person about 50% of the time. When you get over 60%, it starts to kind of get creepy. If you're listening, you want to look a little bit more. And so listening, you go about 70% of the time. So about 70% of the time, you'll look at the other person if you're listening to that person. So the 50-70 rule, that's a good way to think about eye contact. Nod. Nod when someone's talking to you to show that you're listening. Use the normal kind of vocal encouragers like, oh yeah, uh-huh, things like that. Those matter. They encourage the person to listen more. So be aware of those elements in communication, in listening. They encourage an even greater personal connection with the other person. The fourth one, this one I'm so awful at this, this is terrible, but it, don't interrupt. Don't interrupt. Now, in some cultures, interruption is more tolerated than other cultures, so there's a cultural difference here to some degree. In North America and British English, we often do talk over each other a little bit. When you look at the conversational studies, there's usually a little bit of overlap in conversation, and that's okay, that's not what we're talking about right now. We're talking about butting into the conversation and not letting someone finish their idea. That's the actual interruption that we're talking about. We need to be careful about that. And that also includes something, again, I'm not good at this, I'm working on this. We don't need to finish people's sentences for them. Don't do that. Let the person finish their own thought. Are there exceptions where occasionally we need to interrupt because we don't understand something, something like that? Yeah, but in general, let people complete their thoughts. Don't interrupt. Don't talk over. Hear people out. Best practice five, ask appropriate questions to elicit further information or make appropriate statements to elicit further information. That is, if we really want to hear from people and be good listeners, if we want to cultivate those listening hearts, we're going to want to actually have a person tell us about themselves and learn from them. And so that involves asking appropriate questions, asking the right questions. One thing that you can always ask, well, not always in every circumstance, but one thing that you can frequently ask that's helpful is someone may tell you about something, a situation in their life, and you can ask, how do you feel about that? That's a door to openness, understanding, and further connection. How do you feel about that? Or if someone's telling you something that you find interesting, say, that's very interesting. I'd love to hear more about that. These types of encouraging words can be very helpful in encouraging further conversation and encouraging further understanding and comprehension. Speaking of which, best practice six is express what the other person is saying in your own words. So whenever that person completes a thought, you can say back something in your own words, not just parroting what they said, but kind of putting it in your own words, and sh that shows, that exhibits that you've been listening, and not only that, it creates an opportunity for that other person to correct any misapprehensions that you may have through the course of the conversation. So you can say, you know, put it in your own words and say, is that correct? Is that what you're, uh, you know, trying to say? Am I understanding this correctly? Something like that. So to quickly review these six best practices, and by the way, if you want these, just let me know and I can email them to you easily. Take care of your health so you have the energy and clear mind to listen. Eliminate distractions, whether those are mental distractions, physical distractions, and be very careful with your phone. Use proper body language. Don't interrupt, let people finish their thoughts. Ask appropriate questions to elicit further information and express what the other person is saying in your own words and ask if you're understanding correctly. These are the six best practices, things that we can all be working on. You know, as we go through this information, most of us, if we're honest, recognize that there is at least a little bit of room for improvement, right? Improvement in our hearts, improvement in the best practices we just discussed. And the good news is, listening can be improved. You know, listening is not like a static skill that you're born with. As you work on these things, you can get better at them. And the even better news is this. God wants to help us. God commands us to be good listeners, to be eager listeners. 
He shows us through his word in Proverbs and James and in other places the power of listening. And because he's telling us that he wants us to be good listeners, he will help us. And when we go to ask him, we know that he will hear us because he is the model listener. He's the listener who never has any distractions. He's the, per- the listener who can give his full attention to any person, all the people praying around the world at any given moment. And he knows you better than you know yourself. And he can listen. And if we go to him and we ask him regularly to help us with these things, he'll help us. Indeed, that's the story of the Bible. God wanting to help people. He sees us where we are. He sees the difficulties that we're facing and he steps in to help. 2,000 years ago, God manifested himself uniquely as a man called Jesus and he traveled around helping people, healing people, casting out demons, preaching about love of God, preaching about love of neighbor. And very importantly, his ministry was not only a preaching ministry, it was also a conversational ministry. We read in the Bible again and again of him having conversations with people that would not normally be talked to in society. He went and he had one-on-one conversations with these people and they weren't just preaching conversations, he knew what was going on in their life, but he didn't go and just tell them and preach at them. Very often, exactly what he did was, he went to them and he asked a question. And he listened to the answer and he started a dialogue. This is the ministry of Jesus. This is how he made people better through preaching, but also through individual conversation and talking to people who most people wouldn't even talk to. At the end of his ministry, his earthly ministry, Jesus was taken by the authorities and he was tortured to death. The most agonizing form of death created by humans because of the length of the agony it puts the sufferer through. It's the death of a Roman cross, the death of a slave in Roman society. So God himself endured that difficulty endured that pain and that suffering. And something amazing happened. In the self-surrender and self-giving of God, there was an enormous power that overthrew the powers of darkness, that dispelled the power of evil in the world. And through that power, we can have cleansing from the destructive behaviors in our life we call sins. You know, it occurs to me that there may be people here today or or people watching at home who have never come to Christ before, accepted him into their life, never started that relationship with God before, and received that cleansing from these destructive behaviors with which we all struggle. And of course, when we receive Christ, that doesn't make us perfect immediately. As Kyle said a moment ago, that doesn't make us perfect immediately, but it starts us on a path, and we're forgiven of our sins. And so if that's you, if you've never received Christ before, let me encourage you that you can do so right now because God's listening. He's saying yes to you. Will you say yes to him in this moment? So I'll ask everybody in here to bow your heads and 